0: All right this is Brent Leary and with me right now is Jay Bear. Jay is the president of Convince and Convert and also a best-selling author and uh, we're going to talk to him a little bit about his latest book that's about to come out, Hug Your Haters. Jay, thank you for ju- joining me today.
1: Oh, Brent, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: So before we get into the Hug Your Haters thing, which I just like that, saying that because it's a really cool title, uh, <laughs> maybe you can give me a little bit of your personal background.
1: Yeah, so I I started out in politics a long time ago. I was a political campaign consultant, so it's an exciting time of year for me right now. uh, And then I got into traditional marketing for a few years and then kind of accidentally got into online marketing, but a long time ago, 1993. So I've been in uh, digital marketing and customer service customer experience uh, since the very, very early days. Uh, My company, Convince to Convert, does uh, consulting for lots of really interesting brands all around the world, and we've got a media division as well. We have a very uh, popular blog and six-weekly podcasts and a bunch of other stuff that we do, so uh, it's a lot of fun.
0: Well, yeah, it seems like your book, uh, Hug Your Haters, could be something that the uh, presidential candidates might want to look at i don't know yeah it should
1: be the official book the
0: official book of the republican primary they should have worked on that yeah well you know hey it's it's still early in the campaign maybe you can get them a couple copies and take care of that (laughs) so but what what led you to write the book hug your haters and, and what is like the overarching theme yeah
1: so what we found is that There's this collision between marketing and customer service and and kind of how to handle customers, especially online, where more and more customers want to be uh, addressed. And and so uh, I set out to to write the book to kind of clear up some of that confusion and and explain to companies how important it is to be answering customers uh, online where customer service is a spectator sport, right? Where you've got all these people watching how you handle it in Twitter and Facebook and Uh, Yelp and TripAdvisor and all the other agents review sites and discussion boards and forums but what's crazy Brent is that a third of customer complaints are never answered ever and the overwhelming overwhelming majority of those are online where it's public. We answer every private phone call but we answer very few public complaints uh, online and that's probably backwards if nothing else. So I conducted a huge research project to really figure out what was going on and then wrote a book about it.
0: It's kind of amazing that we're in 2016, and that's still the case. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah,
1: absolutely. (laughs) Well, there's a a stat, it's not from my research, it's from Forrester, uh, that I think really describes the state of the union particularly well. It says that 80% of businesses say that they deliver superior customer service, Hmm. but only 8%
0: of their customers agree. So... There wow. you have it. <laughs> yeah, that sets the stage really well. Um, so let's talk about this whole idea of uh, you call them off-stage haters, and yeah. what's the different, the significance of the motivation of off-stage haters. So first of all, explain, kind of give us the idea of what an off-stage hater is and what their uh, motivation for being an off-stage yeah. hater is.
1: So, so when we when I did the research for the book, we just asked people who complains and why and how and using what channels and to what end, and uh, discover that there's actually different types of complainers, different types of customers who complain. And the offstage haters, we call them offstage because they complain in private. So they typically use the legacy channels, so they're using phone and email. They are slightly older um, than, than the other group of haters, uh, a little less tech savvy, less likely to use social media. But, but it's not, you know, it's, 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 that's not a massive difference demographically. It's not like it's only parents and grandparents. Um, they just prefer to complain using those channels. But when they do that, when somebody calls or emails, what they expect and what they want is an answer. And that's true 90% of the time. So 90% of the people who complain in private, want and expect an answer. And I'm sure that's true for you and for everybody. You know, if you call a company, you expect them to answer. If you email them, they, you expect them to reply. It's just sort of how business works. Um, and for the most part, companies are pretty good at handling offstage haters because we've had, you know, decades worth of practice.
0: Let's talk a little bit about onstage because I think those are the ones that, you know, are using these channels effectively to, to at least voice their uh, – Displeasure, um, but have on-stage haters changed a lot over the years? Are they getting even more sophisticated with using these channels to express their hate?
1: Absolutely, no question about it. The on-stage haters are slightly younger, a little less, or a little more tech-savvy, I should say, a little more likely to use social media. Uh, but the on-stage haters are the people who complain in public, so they complain in social media, review websites, uh, Yelp, Tripadvisor, etc and on discussion boards and forums, and, and they are getting much, much more numerous, number one. So right now, as we're having this conversation, about two-thirds of all complaints are offstage, phone and email. About a third uh, are on stage uh, social media, etc. But But that, that ratio is changing very quickly because it is, of course, much faster and easier for consumers to complain on a mobile device in a mobile app as opposed to sitting down crafting an email, waiting on hold to get the phone answered, et cetera. And so you're starting to see more and more people complaining uh, on stage. And in many cases, uh, I'm sure you are familiar, maybe this has happened to you or anecdotally you know about it, people sometimes call or email, they don't like the answer that they got, so then they go to Twitter or Facebook and they get a better result there. And so that kind of story of, hey, if you really want help, go to Twitter, etc. cetera, uh, is, is causing some customers to to choose on stage channels uh, anyway, because they think they're going to get better treatment. And you know, when you think about this demographically, right, so today's young people who are tomorrow's you know dominant consumer group, they're not going to call. I have, two, I have two kids in high school at home. They don't use the phone. They, I mean, they <laughs> never. I mean, it's not like oh, they don't use the phone much. I mean, like they never, ever, ever use the phone and barely ever email. I mean, they don't really use email for us to check purchase confirmations. Um, and that's it, you know. But they use texting and Snapchat and Instagram and Twitter and all that. And I refuse to believe. I just do not believe that they will are someday going to wake up and say, "Oh, I've totally missed out on the joys of telephonic communication. I've missed the boat." You know, let me get back into that. You know, it's just not going to happen, right? So, if you still call your customer service department a call center, uh, you've got a real problem. And, and customer service is being disrupted the same way that marketing has been disrupted. And we just got to get on top of it.
0: So why do you think it's taking so long for companies to see this happen and to begin to uh, change the way that they act like you know like call center versus contact center you know creating more opportunities for online self service more chat why why do you think it's not the technology is it is it just their their the their kind of their culture that they have to break before they can actually do this stuff
1: um, I think some of it's the technology because it's pretty confusing, um, but I think largely it's that um, we haven't seen a tipping point yet in a lot of businesses from a volume perspective. right? So it's the same reason that companies, in some cases, were slow to adopt social media for marketing purposes. It was, well, yeah, there's some customers out there in social media talking about us, but not that many, right? And, and so it's easy to, to ignore shifts when you only look at your aggregate numbers. And most customer service departments, uh, most customer service reporting looks at aggregate. So they say something like, well, in our business, only 18% of all of our mentions are in social media. Well, we got the 82% covered, right? And, and so you start to think about that, ignoring the fact that those 18% are now unhappy because you don't interact with them, and those 18% are in a public venue where there could be tens or hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of people looking on. So I think that's, that's one of the challenges, is that, is that it just doesn't get thought of um, in the right way. And then the other issue is, you know, look, to do what I recommend in the book, which is to answer every complaint in every channel every time, that requires resources. And a lot of people are like, we just don't have the resources to do that. And I'm like, well, you do. You just choose not to not apply <laughs> them that way. Uh, and, and I think that's part of it. People want to keep their head in the sand because they know that if they actually take their head out of the sand, it's going to get real hard, real fast.
0: Are there any really good examples of companies that are doing a great job in hugging their haters and answering all the, the calls wow, and emails? Yeah. Maybe lots give us one or two.
1: Yeah. And, that, and you know, when, I, when I wrote the book, I was real careful uh, and intentional in, in finding examples that will resonate with anybody right so there's small companies there's big companies there's american companies there's global companies there's b2b companies and b2c companies and i, I really try to kind of do a noah's ark uh on mm-hmm. the case study so that there's something for everybody in there um one of my favorite examples um of a, of a medium-sized company is Pain Quotidien, which is a chain of bakeries and cafes they're based in brussels so they've got locations in California and the Northeast U.S. and and uh, like 200, 225 locations overall. And their uh, director of customer experience, Erin uh, Pepper is her name, when she started there, which is probably two years ago now, she said, look, my goal is to triple the number of complaints. Mm. It's like, hmm, that seems totally counterintuitive. <laughs> but what she realizes is one of the most important things in the book, which is, yes, if you hug your haters and answer your customers, it, it, it reduces churn, right? It, it, it increases customer loyalty. But just as important, it tells you all kinds of stuff that you need to know to make your business better. Every complaint is free market research, and, and she understands that. So, so they go out of their way to make sure that customers have the opportunity to tell them every time anything is less than perfect. So she has a whole program built around that. And what most people try to do, of course, is minimize the number of complaints. And it's really easy to do that. If you want fewer complaints, just stop listening for them as hard. <laughs> right? it's, an, it's an easy solution. So that's a really great example. Um, one of my favorite big company examples is KLM, the Royal Dutch Airlines based in Amsterdam. They have an amazing, amazing program where they have about 150 full time people just doing customer service in social media, Facebook and Twitter primarily. Uh, they staff it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They staff it in 14 different languages, uh, and they typically will get back to you within 15 or 20 minutes. So if you tweet them at 3 a.m. in Turkish, they will answer you back by 3.15 in Turkish. Uh, and you might think, "Geez, that probably costs a lot of money, and it does. But last year, they sold $25 million worth of airline tickets accidentally. I mean, they're not a marketing team, they're a hmm. customer service team, But but while you're out there doing customer service, if somebody says, "Hey, do you guys have a flight here?" Like, "Yeah, here's the link." Ta-da! Twenty-five million dollars. So, it's a revenue-positive customer service team that's as comprehensive as any in the world.
0: Maybe you can give us a a pointer or a two on how a smaller business could get started with this concept, with this philosophy, and executing on it.
1: So, the first step is to have a real handle on on who's actually talking about you and where and so you might think well sure we know because we answer the phone and we answer email but but you really have to write it down and and, and do what we call an honesty audit in my company so you say okay last month how many phone calls did we get what are the phone calls about let's categorize those put them on a spreadsheet how many emails did we get what are those emails about categorize them put them on a spreadsheet how many times did people um, ask questions or complain in social media twitter facebook etc let's write that down what about reviews? Did we get reviews on Yelp or places like that? Let's write those down, right? So you actually create uh, an audit of all the different ways that customers try to get in touch with you and then say, okay, well, did we handle these? And if so, how long did it take us? And did we do our very best job here? Are we, are we treating customer service like marketing? Are we treating this like something that can set us apart from, from other businesses uh, or are we not? That's the best place to start
0: having a great conversation with Jay Bear, president of Convince and Convert. Jay, where can people learn more about the book?
1: Uh, HugYourHaters.com is the official website for the book. All kinds of free stuff there, uh, and then you can get the book either there
0: or anywhere that books can be acquired these days, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, airport, whatever.